Chapter One of the Chautauqua Girls at Home. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Chautauqua Girls at Home by Pansy. Chapter One Treading on New Ground. That last Sabbath of August was a lovely day. It was the first Sabbath that our girls had spent at home since the revelation of Chautauqua. It seemed lovely to them. The world looks as though it was made over new in the night, Eurie had said, as she threw open her blinds and drew in whiffs of the sweet, soft air. And the church, whither these girls had so often betaken themselves on summer mornings, just like this one, how could two or three weeks have changed it? They could not feel that it was the same building. Hitherto it had been to them simply the first church, grander by several degrees than any other church in the city, having the finest choir and the finest organ and the most elegant carpets, and making the grandest floral display of all the temples, as became the first church, of course. But today, this glowing, glorious August day, it was something infinitely above and beyond all this. It was the visible temple of the invisible God, their Savior, and they were going up to worship, aye, really and truly to worship. They, in their different ways, according to their very different natures, felt this and were thrilled with it as their feet trod the aisles. People can feel a great many things and not show them to the casual observer. Sitting in their respective pews, they looked in no sense different from the way they had looked on a hundred different Sabbaths before this. Ruth Erskine, in the corner of her father's pew, attired as she had often been before, in the most delicate and exquisite of summer silks, with exactly the right shade of necktie, gloves, and sash, to set off the beauty of the dress, with the soft and delicate laces about her white throat, for which she was especially noted, looked not one whit different from the lady who sat there three weeks before. You wouldn't have known that her heart was singing for joy. Flossie Shipley, aglow with elegance, as she always was, looked the same airy butterfly that had flitted in and out of the church on many a summer day before. And Marion, in her corner in the gallery, was simply the grave, somewhat weary-looking school-teacher at one of the wards, a girl with infidel tendencies, that is all the great congregation knew about her. In fact, comparatively few of them knew even that. Yuri Mitchell was the doctor's eldest daughter, and had in no sense improved as to her toilet, a thing which could hardly be expected, since she had thrown away so much money on that wild scheme of living in the woods, that was what some of the congregation thought about her. Dr. Dennis saw all these girls and looked gloomy over them. He was in the mood to need sympathetic hearers, to long to be in accord with his audience, and feel that they could sympathize with him in his reach after a higher type of religion. What could these four girls know about a higher type when they had no religion at all and had been spending two lawless weeks in looking at the subject till their hearts were either attuned to ridicule or disgusted according to their several temperaments. That was what the faces of our four girls said to him. Yet how they listened to his sermon. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness, 
these were the words on which he spoke and the burden of his thought was that satisfaction was not to be sought for here nothing less than the absolute likeness should give absolute satisfaction and this likeness was to be forever eagerly earnestly constantly sought for striven after until some day would come that blessed awakening and the picture would be found to be complete was it the best sermon that had ever been preached was it the only spiritual sermon that the first church people had ever heard or was it that four girls had been to chautauqua and there learned how to listen their cheeks glowed and their eyes dilated over the wonderful thoughts that the subject presented the endless possibility for climbing marian wilbur had been counted ambitious she had longed for a chance to reach high here was her chance she felt it and gloried in it she meant to try every nerve quivered with the determination and the satisfaction of realizing that she belonged to the great royal family no more obscurity for her she was a child of the king and the kingdom was in view a crown aglow with jewels nothing less must satisfy her now the sermon over the hymn sung and amid the pealing of the organ as it played the worshippers down the aisles our four girls met they knew each other's determination the next thing to do was to go to sunday school but i suppose you have no idea how strangely they felt how much it seemed to them as if they were children who had come to a party uninvited and as if they must at this last minute hide their heads and run home the very effort to go up to the sunday school room seemed too much a cross to undertake there were so many to stare and look their amazement there was no one to go with nobody to think of such a thing as asking them to go it would have been so much less awkward if they could have followed in the lead of one who had said won't you come up and see our sunday school the superintendent passed them as they stood irresolute he bowed courteously and no more thought of asking them to join him than though they had been birds of brilliant plumage flying by dr dennis passed them he said good morning not gladly not even graciously he dreaded those girls and their undoubted influence they had not the least idea how much mischief they had done him in the way of frittering away his influence heretofore how should they know that he dreaded them on the other hand how was he to know that they absolutely longed for him to take them by the hand and say come they looked at him curiously as he passed and eurie said doesn't it make your heart beat to think of going to him in his study and having a private talk dear me said flossy i never shall think of such a thing i couldn't do it any more than i could fly there are harder things than that to do i suspect and it will come to a visit to his study if we are to unite with the church don't you know that is what he always asks of those and then these girls looked absolutely blank for to two of them the thought of that duty had never occurred before they did not understand it well enough to know that it was a privilege well said eurie rallying first of course are we to stand here gazing around us all day because nobody knows enough to invite us to go upstairs it is clear that we are not to be invited here they all come all the sabbath school people and hark why they are singing 
Dear me, said Flossy, then it has commenced. I hate to go in when it is commenced. How very unfortunate this is. Serves us right, said Marion. We ought to be in a condition to invite others, instead of waiting here to be invited. I'll tell you what, girls, if we ever get to feel that we do belong, let's constitute ourselves a committee to see after timid strangers like ourselves, and give them a chance in at least. Well, said Ruth, speaking for the first time, shall we go home and wait till next Sunday, and take a fair start, as Flossie says, it isn't pleasant to go in after the exercises have fairly opened? And as she said this, for the first time in her life, Miss Ruth Erskine began to have a dim idea that possibly she might be a coward. This certainly sounded a little like it. Each waited to get a bit of advice from the other. Both Marion and Eurie, it must be confessed, bold spirits that they were, so dreaded this ordeal that each hoped the other would advise retreat as the wisest thing to be done next. It was Flossie who spoke. I am going up now. It won't be any easier next Sunday, and I want to begin. There, said Eurie, that is just what I needed to shame me into common sense. What a company of idiots we are. Marion, what would you think of a day-scholar who would stand shivering outside your doors for this length of time? Now come on, all of you. And she led the way upstairs. How very awkward it was! It was during the opening prayer that they arrived, and they had to stand by the door and be peeped at by irreverent children. Then they had to invite themselves to a vacant seat near the door. The superintendent came that way presently and said, Good morning, young ladies. So you have come in to visit our school? Glad to see you. It is a pleasant place I think you will find. That is extremely doubtful, Yuri said in undertone as he passed on. How the children did stare. They are certainly unused to visitors, Ruth said, growing uncomfortable under such prolonged gazing. What is the use of all this, girls? We might better be at home. If we had grown up here, Yuri said bravely, we should probably have our place by this time. It all comes of our graceful lives. But I must say they make it very easy for people to stay away. Why on earth don't they invite us to go into Bible classes? What right have they to take it for granted that we came out of pure curiosity? The business of the hour went on, and our girls were still left unmolested. As the newness wore somewhat away, the situation began to grow funny. They could see that the pastor and the superintendent were engaged in anxious conversation to judge by the gravity of their faces, and as their eyes occasionally roved in that direction, it was natural to suppose that they were discussing the unexpected visitors. Could they have heard the anxious talk, it would have been a solemn comment on their reputations. That Morris class is vacant again today, the superintendent was saying. I don't know what we are to do with that class. No one is willing to undertake it. The pastor looked toward his own large class waiting for him and said, with a weary sigh, I believe I shall have to give up my class to someone and take that. I don't want to. It is a class which requires more nervous energy than I have at command at this hour of the day. But what is to be done with them today? 
Would it do to ask one of the young ladies on the visitor's seat? And then the eyes of the two men turned toward the girls. They are afraid of us, whispered Eurie, her propensity to see the ludicrous side of things in no whit destroyed by her conversion. Look at their troubled faces. They think that we are harbingers of mischief. Oh, me, what a reputation to have! But I declare it is funny. Whereupon she laughed softly but unmistakably. It was at this moment that Dr. Dennis's eyes rested on her. Oh, they are only here for material to make sport of, he said gloomily. Miss Erskine might keep the boys quiet for a while if she chose to do so, I suppose. Or Miss Wilbur. Some of the boys in that class are in school, in her ward. They say she has grand order. Dr. Dennis's face grew stern. No, he said, don't ask her. At least we will not put them in a way to learn error, if we can teach them nothing good. Miss Wilbur is an infidel. I don't know what is to be done with that class, as you say. Poor Morris, I am afraid, will never be able to take it again, and he was utterly discouraged with them anyway. They get no good here that I can see, and they certainly do infinite mischief to the rest of the school. But at the same time I suppose we cannot send them away? Oh, certainly not. Well, suppose you try if Miss Erskine will sit there and try to awe them by her dignity for a while. And this week we must see what can be done. She won't try it, though, I presume. It ended in the superintendent coming toward them at last. He didn't like to be too personal in his request, so he took the general way of putting a question, resting in the belief that each would refuse, and that then he could press the task on Miss Erskine. We are short of teachers today. Would one of you be willing to sit with that class at your right and try to interest them a little? They are a sad set. Very little can be done with them, but we have to try. I shall have to confess that both Ruth and Marion were appalled. The one shrank as much as the other. If it had been a class in mathematics or philosophy, Marion would have been confident of her powers. But she felt so very ignorant of the Bible. She had come in, hoping and expecting a chance to slip into a grand Bible class, where she might learn some of the inner truths of that glorious lesson that she had been trying to study. But to teach it! This seemed impossible. As for Ruth, no thought of such an experience had as yet come to her. They therefore maintained a dismayed silence. Yuri was frank. "'I can't teach,' she said. I don't understand it myself. I shouldn't have the least idea what to say to anyone about the Bible lesson. And then they all turned and stared in a maze of surprise and perplexity at little fair-haired Flossie. I would like to try, she said simply. I have thought about the lesson all the week. I am not sure that I can teach anything, but I should like to talk the story over with them if they will let me. There was nothing for it but to lead this exquisite bit of flesh and blood, in her dainty summer toilet, before that rough and rollicking class of boys, old enough some of them to be called young men, but without an idea as to the manner of conduct that should honor that name. It would be hard to tell which was the most amazed and embarrassed, the superintendent or the girls whom Flossie left looking after her. They were quite sobered now. 
they did not want flossy to come to grief a tender feeling that was new and sweet had sprung up in the heart of each of them toward her that innocent little kitten knows no more about what she has undertaken than if she were a dove said marion dismay and discomfort struggling on her face why she might as well be daniel in the den of lions well said eurie speaking gravely he came out all right you know and then she hailed the passing superintendent mr stuart isn't there a bible class that we can go in we didn't come to look on we want to study the lesson oh why yes certainly mr stuart said stammering and looking unutterable astonishment where would they like to go there were two vacant seats in mr pembroke's class and one in judge elmore's ruth instantly chose judge elmore's and left marion and eurie to make their way to the vacant places in mr pembroke's class the young ladies of the class moved along and made room for the newcomers and the teacher carefully told them what chapter and verse were being studied they found their places and mr pembroke searched laboriously for his he had lost the spot on his lesson leaf where he had read the last question and he was all at sea let me see he said where were we none of them seemed to know at least they gave him no information one of them tried to button a glove that was too small for her one yawned behind her bible and the most utter indifference in regard to the lesson or the school seemed to prevail oh said mr pembroke here is where we were i was just reading the thirtieth verse as he spake these words many believed on him who spake them jesus one answered speaking the word with a yawn what did jesus say next the next young lady thus appealed to hurriedly looked up the place in her bible and read then said jesus to those jews which believed on him if ye continue in my word then ye are my disciples indeed well said mr pembroke after a thoughtful pause there doesn't seem to be anything to say on that verse it is all there will you read the next verse now the you whom he timidly addressed was our marion she doesn't understand even now why her heart should have throbbed so strangely and her voice trembled as she read aloud the simple words and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free free from what she asked abruptly the class stared clearly the art of asking questions was an unknown accomplishment in that class mr pembroke looked at her through his glasses then he pushed his glasses up on his forehead finally he took them off and rubbed them carefully with the skirt of his coat before he essayed to answer why my dear young lady i suppose it means free from sin the lord jesus christ was speaking to his people you know to christian people are christian people free from sin there was no note of cavil in marion's voice her eyes were earnest and serious and she waited as one waits in honest perplexity to have a puzzle solved but she was known as one who held dangerous even infidel notions and mr pembroke bewildered as to how to answer her seemed to feel that probably a rebuke was what she needed it is not for us to find fault with the words of the lord jesus christ my dear young lady 
he spoke them, and they must mean what they say. We are to accept them in all sincerity and humility, remembering that what we know not now we shall know hereafter. That is the Christian way to do. And then he cleared his throat and asked the next young lady to read the next verse. Two bright spots glowed on Marian's cheeks. She bent her head low over her Bible, and it was with difficulty that she kept a rush of tears from filling her eyes. Had she seemed to cavil at the words of her Lord, when she simply longed with all her soul to understand? Did the promise mean, you shall be free from sin? Had she a right to look forward to, and hope for the time, when sin should have no more dominion? Then that other sentence, continue in my work. Just what did it mean? Could one who was searching it eagerly and prayerfully, and trying to abide by its directions, be said to be continuing in it? There were a dozen questions that she longed to ask. She had sought the Sabbath school this morning in search of help. She felt blind and lame, unable to take a step in any direction, lest in her ignorance she should err, as already she had. Something in her way of speaking of these things must be radically wrong. She had misled this good man. It was no use to ask him questions. As the lesson progressed, there appeared other reasons why she need not question him. Clearly the good man knew nothing about his lesson save the questions contained on the bit of paper before him. It was entirely evident that he had not looked at the verses nor thought of them until he came before his class. It was equally plain that his scholars were entirely accustomed to the state of things and were careful to follow his example. He could read a question at them from his lesson paper and they could read an answer back to him from their Bibles and this was all that either party expected of the other. Why these young ladies continued to come Sabbath after Sabbath, and go over this weary routine of question and answer, was a mystery to Marian. She came away from the school in a most uncomfortable frame of mind. That to which she had looked forward all the week had proved a disappointment and a failure. She was almost inclined to say that she would have no more to do with Sunday schools, that they really were the humbug that she had always supposed them. Imagine my going to a philosophy class, knowing no more about the lesson than that old man did today, she said to Yuri as they walked down to the corner of Elm Street together. I know, said Yuri, speaking with unusual thoughtfulness. But suppose you were dull in the class, if it were known, after all, that you could make the most brilliant philosophical experiments, you would probably be listened to with respect. What do you mean? asked Marian, bewildered. Why, I mean that Deacon Pembroke can perform the experiments successfully. In other words, to come down to your comprehension, he succeeds in living so pure and careful a Christian life that he has the respect and confidence of everybody. What if he can't preach? He can practice. However, I am willing to admit that the dear old man would be more edifying if he would study his lesson a little. Wasn't it funny to think of calling that teaching? And then this volatile young lady laughed. But her moralizing had done Marian good. She said good morning more cheerily, and went on her way thinking over the many things that she had heard in honor of Deacon Pembroke. 
so that by the time she had reached her boarding-house, although his teaching would certainly make a very poor show, yet his sweet Christian life had come up to plead for him, and Marion was forced to feel that the truth had made him free. "'But it is a real pity not to study his lesson,' she said as she went about her gloomy-looking room. "'Those girls didn't get a single idea to help them in any way. "'Some of them need ideas badly enough. Two or three of them are members of the church, I am sure. "'That Allie March is, but she has no ideas on any subject. "'You can see that in the grammar class.' "'And then Marion remembered that Allie March was in her grammar class, "'and Allie was a professed Christian. "'Could she help her?' It was not pride in Marion, but she had to smile at the thought of herself being helped by so very third-rate a brain as that which Allie March possessed. And then she paused, with her hand on the clothes-press door, and her face glowed at the new and surprising thought that just then came to her. Would it be possible for her, Marion Wilbur, to help Allie March, even in her Christian life? All that afternoon, though, she went about or sat down in her room with a sense of loneliness. No one to speak to who could understand and would believe in her. Even in the Sunday school they were afraid of her. How could she help or be helped while this state of things lasted? It was in the early twilight that, as she sat with her hat and sack on, waiting for Yuri, who had engaged to call for her to go to church, she strayed across a verse or two in her new possession, the Bible, that touched the point. It was where Saul essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, and believed not that he was a disciple. Her experience precisely. They were afraid of her influence, afraid of her tongue, afraid of her example, and, indeed, what reason had they to feel otherwise? but she read on that blessed verse wherein it says, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him. She was reading this for the second time when Yuri came. See here, Yuri, read this, she said as she passed her the Bible and made her final preparations for church. Isn't that our experience? I mean, I think it is to be ours. Judging from today as a foretaste, they will be afraid of us and believe not that we are disciples. Yuri laughed, a quick little laugh that had an undertone of feeling in it, as she said, Well then, I hope we shall find a Barnabas to vouch for us before long. And Marion knew that she, too, felt the loneliness and the sense of belonging to no one. We must help each other very much, we girls. This she said to herself as they went down the steps together. End of chapter 1 Recording by Tricia G.